Lachlan Trust, each relationship matters, and we know that your relationship with money may be complicated and may need some extra love and attention. But where do you start? I'm Julie Beckham, the Financial Education Officer at Rockland Trust, and this is the No Shame in This Money Game podcast. What you should have done and could have done, didn't know and should have known, doesn't matter anymore. There's no use spending one more minute blaming or shaming yourself. Because really, with everything going on in the world right now, you don't have time to get down on yourself. And you don't deserve it. We're all in this together, starting now. And like I said, there's no shame in this money game. Welcome to the No Shame in This Money Game podcast as we explore owning your own money. Today's guest is Belinda Rosenblum. Belinda is a CPA and money strategist who helps you take the worry and fear out of money. She knows that most people struggle to stay ahead of their monthly bills, even if they're earning good money. She believes that when you take responsibility for your physical money and unapologetically stand up for your own value and inner worth, you can create more impact, more profit, and more freedom in your life. She teaches people how to get off the check-to-check cycle by creating better relationships with money. And since Rockland Trust is the bank where each relationship matters, we are so excited to have a guest with so much experience developing healthy relationships with money. Welcome, Belinda. Thanks so much, Julie, for having me on. I'm really excited about this opportunity. And it's such an important topic that you're willing to bring up. So first, kudos to you and to Rockland Trust for being willing to have this conversation, number one, around money shame and our emotions and helping us get into action. So I got into this business. It's kind of ironic, actually. I got into this business over 13 years ago and just before the last recession. I had been in corporate finance and accounting for the better part of 12 years, left that job, essentially lived, eat, pray, love, like I went to India for a month and backpacked around by myself, went volunteered in Costa Rica for a month. Cultural reference here, Eat, Pray, Love is a best-selling memoir by author Elizabeth Gilbert that inspired millions of readers to search for their best selves through travel and self-exploration. If you haven't heard of the book, you may remember the movie starring Julia Roberts. And then was doing a lot of informational interviewing and actually almost became a financial advisor, as a matter of fact. And what I found, though, is that I would go and talk to my friends and my family and say, hey, I'm considering going in and to helping you with your money. Like, what are your challenges? I'm thinking about becoming an advisor. And everyone almost like gripped their pocketbooks tighter or something. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was almost like, oh, wait, 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 you're going to try and invest my money. Like, everything's going really well. Don't change how I'm doing things. And I was like, okay, wait a second what are your challenges with money? And once people would start to open up and talk to me about it, I realized that it wasn't just investment advice that they needed. It was actually me serving almost more like a financial therapist or a coach than just somebody who would give them a prescription. So more like a nurse than a doctor kind of an idea. Interesting. Yeah. And then that's really how it all began. So I turned down three jobs to become a financial advisor and then set up my own shingle back in 2007. I'm interjecting here to define setting up your own shingle. It means opening your own business. Some of you might have known this. This is an idiom and just one example of how learning English as a second language must be ridiculously challenging. I mean, in what century did people hang shingles? Not this one. The first time I heard this expression, I pretended to know what the person was talking about, but I had no idea. 
I never want that to happen on this podcast, which is why I will always bust in with definitions of terms and expressions that aren't widely known. Own Your Money was born, right? Where you're instead like unapologetically standing up for yourself, for your own value, for your worth, and for the dreams and goals you have in the world. Because I absolutely believe that money can be a tool to help us get there. And that's to come full circle. That's really where the strategy comes in. Right. Money is a tool, yet we give it so much power that it seems that it almost owns us sometimes. It feels like it would be very empowering to kind of turn the table on money and and have a bit more control, especially at a time when everything feels so out of control. What are some steps we can take now, even during this uncertain time, to take control of our money or, or as you would say, own our money? Absolutely. I mean, you're right on track, right? So much does feel out of control when we can't go into a grocery store the way we used to, that we totally took for granted six months ago, you know, and now it's like, oh no, you can't come in without a mask or you can't do this without this. And when we are able to find those things that we can control, I mean, control is a bit of an illusion, but that's probably a whole nother conversation. Right. (laughs) It's a different podcast. Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. When we at least can take charge, right? When we can realize that, wait, we don't have to give up our own power with our money. Actually, money is one of the few things that we can have control over because we are the ones making the decisions, right? It's not like some little gremlin that comes out at night when you close, you know, when you go to bed at night. It's like, you're the one that's making those spending choices. And actually, in a lot of ways, you're the one that is helping to dictate how much income you're making. And right now, or at least in the few months that we have just survived, it has felt like it was less us because so many places were downsizing and furloughing and income overall was down. However, there are still things that we can be doing because it's like, if you're I'll give you an example. So I'm working with a landscape designer, for instance, right? And she wasn't able to do the same kind of networking and in-person visits that she was doing. So she just created an online DIY backyard design class, right? So instead of just sitting back and being like, oh gosh, I guess my income is just going to be 40% less right now or 80% less right now. What can I be doing? And so that's where we all have control to decide, wait, do I have a hobby or a side hustle that I could go make happen right now? Is there a way that I could provide more value to my employer so I'm the one that stays or I'm the one that gets hired back first, right? Or if you run a business, what are ways that you may need to relook at how you're making money and recognize what are the current problems that are out there that I can be solving, right? So there's the whole income side that we actually have more control over than we realize. And then there's the whole spending side. And I think that this is a really good wake-up call for us to say, what, where do I want my money going, right? What can I be spending on that does align with my values and my priorities right now? And it's interesting because some of our clients are actually saving more now than they were before. Right. Right. Even with less income in some cases, this is like that wake up call. It's like, okay, wait a second. I'm not just, especially right in the beginning, I'm not just going to stop off at Starbucks or I'm not going to go to the grocery store too many times in a week. I'm going to minimize all of those trips. And in minimizing those trips, you're also minimizing your spending. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. When people are faced with really examining their finances, and some of us have had to with changes of income and jobs at the present time, 
what are the barriers that individuals face that you see in your work that keep them from getting the strategies that you found are actually very important and that can really work? Absolutely. So for most people, the biggest barrier and the biggest block, the biggest enemy to changing your financial situation and really getting yourself on that path of financial freedom is yourself. And it's often a limiting belief that you picked up early on, like when you were anywhere from like six to eight or 10. A limiting belief is a state of mind, conviction, or belief that you think to be true that limits you in some way. This limiting belief could be about you, your interactions with other people, or with the world and how it works. Belinda teamed up with a psychotherapist to co-author a book called Self-Worth to Net Worth, 12 Keys to Creating Wealth Inside and Out. She uses the idea of limiting beliefs that hold you back in her book. When I started to really dive in and have these conversations with a psychotherapist and relate it to money and write it into the book, what I... And I guess it was yeah, 2012 we published the book. And what we came to realize is that we're forming these beliefs so early. And it's ironic because I have a child who just turned five and a child who's turning seven. And I'm like, wow, I'm locking in their beliefs with money right now. Oh, great. Like, no pressure, <laughs> mom and dad. I know. It's like we take a belief on and then we just keep living into it and we keep finding evidence for the same limiting beliefs again and again. And then we wonder, gosh, I'm in this pattern or, you know, why aren't things working out for me? Well, we're asking ourselves the wrong questions, right? We just keep living into this non-supportive fixed mindset of there isn't enough and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm not good at math and I guess this is how it's going to be. And people get very resigned. And then they feel very ashamed of the position that they put themselves in and they make it about them. So it's not just about the money, right? Or about the opportunities that they have or haven't had so far. It becomes almost like not a badge of honor, but it becomes an identity for them. I say not an honor because people are rather frustrated and sad and trapped by these limiting beliefs. but it feels like it's such a part of their identity. They don't feel like they can separate from it, right? And so when you can start to realize almost like a mindfulness practice or a yoga practice or, you know, where you realize that you are not your thoughts, like you are not these limiting beliefs, you have created them and better yet, you created them with the mind and heart of a six-year-old or an eight-year-old, right? When you can step away from it a little bit and give it a little bit of space and say, wait a second, what is the core belief that I am living through around money? And then how do I just keep making that happen? And then what if I were to reverse engineer a better belief, right? And instead start to say, well, what could be my core belief around money instead? And then what kind of results would that create? And it's all part of that strategy idea. It's so great because you can see something when you're separate from it. When you're in it. You are it. Mm -hmm, you are it. Yes, exactly. It becomes you and you can't separate it. And in order to solve the problem, you need to be able to separate it in order to see it. And when you are it, you, you can't. Right. And then what you do is you essentially load money and the concept of money with a lot of fear and guilt and shame and stress 
And it feels like, okay, I guess that's what I'm signed up for, right? I guess that's just what money is. But no, in fact, money is merely a tool, right? Like if you think about where did money come from, it was, I have cows right? You know, and I have milk, <laughs> right? And you have hay and grain and like the things that I need. So let's find some currency to be able to have each of us get the things we want. But then what we do is now years and years later, we don't look at it just as a tool, right? Just as a means of exchange. Now we've layered it on with so much emotion and mostly negative emotion because it, it's almost like we're punishing ourselves by looking at money the way this way we're worsening like the situation and we just almost take it like in a downward spiral and i really appreciate how given you talk about shame i'm sure you studied brene brown some and uh, she talks about shame as this intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we're flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging Brené Brown is a researcher, professor, and author who has spent the last two decades studying courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy. As an expert on shame, Brené Brown would love the No Shame in This Money Game podcast. So if she happens to be your BFF, feel free to send it to her. And so what happens is that we end up layering both shame and guilt, right? So shame focuses on ourselves. Guilt focuses on the behavior. So shame maybe says like, I am bad. Guilt is I did something bad. So I think what we do around money is that we say, oh, I spent it on something that I shouldn't have spent it on. And then the shame says, I'm a bad person because I did that. And then you like tie your hands behind your back when that's what you believe. Like you can't have open hands. You can't be receiving when you feel like, gosh, there's something wrong with me. I'm unworthy. And that was part of the impetus in us writing the book, Self-Worth to Net Worth, is to realize, wait a second, it starts as an inner game, right? So in terms of the barriers, we've created them. So how do we start to instead step away from them a bit and say, oh, I see what I've been doing now. I just keep telling myself this. What is that repeating story that you keep telling yourself? And I have a whole process that I go through in all of my programs in the Moneymakers Academy, even in our cash flow CEO program, like even in the program for small business owners, I have to have you rewrite your money story in all of the programs because that money story got created from a few pivotal money moments along the way. Those locked in those limiting beliefs around money, generally limiting. Sometimes there's a few positive ones in there, but usually the ones that are dictating the results that you're getting frustrated by are usually caused, if you backtrack them, they're usually caused by a limiting belief. And so if we can figure out what those key points were in your life, then we can actually go back to the source and rewrite them and change them. It's so challenging to think that our relationship with money is this complicated, right? You'd think, well, what are the facts about how to make money and save more? And I can do those. But to really actually change your mindset, you do have to go back to your money story. You do have to explore your limiting beliefs and and how you can create a different story for yourself. But it's hard. It's hard work. It actually takes work. Yeah. Well, what's so interesting is that it takes attention, right? It's actually, which will be refreshing (laughs) for you listening, it's actually easier once you do this bit of work, right? Once you hear this, it's hard to unhear it. 
And now you're going to be paying more attention. Like when you're going to buy something, is it giving you good, happy feelings or is it actually giving you guilt that says, oh, I don't really know if I have the money for this. Like, should I buy it? Should I, shouldn't I buy it? Like, I don't know. Do I feel like I'm just buying it out of a fear of missing out or because I'm feeling lonely because I haven't seen my friends and my family in months? Like it's now going to bring a higher level of awareness, but it doesn't have, it's actually much harder in quotes, but harder, more stressful when you're holding on to all of the shame and fear and guilt. Well, yes, because that doesn't right? doesn't sound like a good sandwich. That's not fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it, yes, there's some effort involved, but then once you rise it to the surface, you're actually going to feel very relieved. So it's really the consciousness of knowing that these beliefs are causing action or inaction when taking control of your money. Speaking of action, what can we do today to start owning our own money? Honestly, just listening to this podcast could be a great first step. You could be like, okay, pull out your schedule right now and pick a little bit of time that, and I I prefer people to have a money date in quotes, but like a little date with themselves every week, whether it's Money Monday or Finance Friday or sometimes for us it's a Saturday night. <laughs> Friday night. We're like, <laughs> That's as exciting that, as know? our Saturday nights have been lately, right? It's been pretty funny. But in the beginning it was super stressful for us, full disclosure, um, because he had been married before and just had a lot of stuff around money. And I had a lot of limiting beliefs from watching my parents fight over money growing up. And I went through a phase where I I literally had to take over the finances for my father after he had a stroke when I was only 21 years old. And a few years later, I went into total overwhelm and like paralysis almost because the bills and paperwork had piled up so much for me that I have a lot of compassion for you. Like if you ever feel any overwhelm or just like, gosh, I just don't know what to do because I felt that. I felt that shame that I spoke of earlier, right? I was this A player at work and then I'd come home and I would just be searching for a a basket to stick more mail in. I just couldn't deal with all of it. Right. And the key thing is just getting started. And once I could, then you can move from there. I even had to phone a friend. I was like, so stuck. You always think when you're going through something, I think it's the human condition. You think you're, you're alone. And I think that even listening to this podcast, you have a sense of, of mindfulness. Like this is, I'm bringing this attention to the front of my consciousness and I can do something. There are resources. There is a person that I'm listening to right now who's been through hard times, who's made this her passion and who's created a program that might be right for me. So these are the things that I can do to get on the right path, which I think is very empowering. And at a time when we really need to feel empowered and and seize control of positive things that will help our future, help ourselves and help our families. So thank you. This is so helpful. Yeah. And you're so right on, by the way, it's not like we're ever taught money. I mean, it's few and far between that we're actually taught money. So why would we know it? Let's just let you off the hook right now. <laughs> because, I mean, I was an accounting major at Boston College and we never really learned personal finance like I teach now. So it's like, just recognize that even those of us who are in money, I mean, I've had clients that have been VPs of banks, bookkeepers, like all of us never really learned how to handle our own finances either. So you are absolutely not alone. And what are you going to do about it, right? How are you going to still be committed to your goals and your dreams and allowing money to be the tool for you? 
Exactly. Oh, this is so great, Belinda. Thank you so much. Now, because this is the no shame in this money game podcast, and honestly, you are a perfect guest for this podcast with all of your research and work and just acknowledgement that there is so much shame in this money game. Um, We do have a gaming aspect, though. I have my portable spinning wheel here. So I'm going to spin the wheel and ask a random question about money. And let's see what it is. Okay, I'm in. Okay, people often say that money isn't everything. If that's true, what is everything to you? Do, 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 do. Okay, <laughs> it's so highlighted right now, but it's the health of our family, right? I think that above all else is what we have been prioritizing. And health, safety, security. And I know that like, it's, it's very basic needs. And I think that that's what a lot of what's been happening with the pandemic and with everything in our world right now is like, focus on what really matters. And my everything is my family and particularly our health and how we've come together in a new and unique way. I never knew that I could teach pre-K and first grade, but my kids are doing well. And, you know, and I think that I'm very grateful and I think it's important for all of us to remember that we have an everything. I think that's my final answer, Julie. Really great answer. I mean, these last five to six months have really put a spotlight on the value of our health that I think I think we can all appreciate. One last question. Since Rockland Trust is the bank where each relationship matters, if you could use one word to describe your relationship with money, what would it be? Great one, Julie. <laughs> At first, I was like, complicated? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> a work in progress? I mean, I think we're all a work in progress, right? Mm-hmm. I think the main one word would be ownership. Right? It would be really stepping into this, this power with our money where we realize that we own it and when we can take responsibility for it. And the good, the bad, and the ugly. When you take responsibility, then you get the joy of the successes. And of course, you have to deal with the things that don't work out. But then at least it's all within your control, right? It it feels like, wait a second, I can do something to make my situation better. I can do something to get myself out of that fear and stress and worry and instead find a more powerful place to be and to unapologetically stand up for myself and move forward. It's incredible. It's really great. All this information has truly been so great to hear, so great to share. And I'm so excited that you were able to come on this podcast today to share all of this. I am going to list all of your information on the show notes, but if you would like to take an opportunity to talk about where listeners can find your information, please do so. Sure. Thanks so much, Julian. Thanks for being willing to have this conversation. I think that the the real solution to people's challenges with money isn't just in like the next one-off tip, right? It's it's realizing that we haven't learned and how do we create a system and how do we figure it out, whether it's our personal finances or our business, it's, it's the same thing, right? It's when we can figure out money and we can figure out how to find, create the profit in our lives, that that's when we can fear less, we can worry less and we can really create the life we want. So I am at own your money, like a little at sign, own your money on Facebook, on Instagram, I'm on Twitter too, but I don't really use Twitter. So I'd say Facebook or Instagram is the best bet or ownyourmoney.com. And we do have some goodies for you that we will include in the show notes. If you wanted 
Like if the idea of trying to track your money with a blank sheet of paper is super overwhelming for you, (laughs) I can relate. So that's why we created these simple one-page money-making tracking sheets at ownyourmoney.com forward slash track. And if you're a business owner, we have a special dashboard because tracking your money is a whole different animal and we want you to be able to do it in just 10 minutes a month. So that's ownyourmoney.com forward slash dashboard. Thank you so much for sharing all of this and for helping us own our money. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for listening to the No Shame in This Money Game podcast brought to you by Rockland Trust, member FDIC. My name is Julie Beckham, and yes, I do take requests. So be sure to email your personal finance questions and curiosities to me, your host and your educator, at julie.beckham at rocklandtrust.com.